As you've heard this year, our theme for the year is breaking ground. Not only do we plan to break ground out there, but this year I plan to break ground in here. I want to break myself. I want to be better. How many of you want to be better? Yep. I want to break everything in me that's unpleasing because I want joy. I want love. I want peace in my home. I want to raise strong, godly, apostolic men and women and be a good influence in my home. Um, Pastor, Pro- Pastor Shock said on Sunday, his message, it's time for action. That hit me, and I was thinking, you know, it's time for action, but we have to take action in our homes, our everyday life. And um, for me, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, if we can get it right in here, if we can get our homes right, if we can get our relationships right, if we can get order here, the Lord will bless us, will be a good example to those that are to come and fill the house. So week one of four, the next four weeks, is on relationships. And tonight I'm teaching on relationships inside the home. So I'm going to pray. If you want to bow your heads with me before we begin. Lord, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this day, Lord God. I pray that you help us, Lord, to hear your word, that a seed be planted, that new revelation come to us, Lord, that you open up our hearts, Lord God, that we can receive you or your word. Thank you for allowing me to be a messenger tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so the foundation of all relationships is our relationship with God, amen. Amen. Outside of our relationship with him, the most important one is in your home. Um, Godly relationships, especially if they're built according to the word, rather than the message that society gives us of what our home should be like. I don't want my home to look like the world. The enemy doesn't want to see our churches thriving with loving relationships, filled with godliness, grace, forgiveness, encouragement. He desires for us to be torn apart, battling against one another, warring thoughts in our heads and our minds that help us to focus on ourselves. And I don't want to be focused on myself. He wants you to lose your focus. Um, Our family motto, which we learned from somebody else, is God, family, church. That's how we've always lived since we got married. God's first, family second, church is third. So a growing relationship with him that's built on prayer and study of the word is essential if you plan to have strong, godly relationships. Um, I, need, I know the, I need the word. I want the word. Every daily discipline, I need it to filter through my day. From there, after your relationship with God, the most important relationship is the core family. So this includes extended family, aging parents, Blended families, uh, friends, these core relationships are what we're going to talk about tonight. If one's relationship with God's thriving, if your relationships at home are thriving, um, you have a solid base for the remaining relationships in your life. So God's plan for husband and wife, parents and children, for families, are lined out within the Bible. These core relationships will impact all the other relationships in our lives. And I must say, building relationships takes effort and sacrifice. It's not easy. Relationships do take a lot of work. But if your relationship's strong, if it's healthy, it makes it easier to come in here on Sunday and Wednesday and raise your hands and worship the Lord if you have good, godly relationships. Um... For me, if you can love at home, if you respect at home, if you serve at home, it's very easy to come in here and do all of those things. It's not hard because I already do it every single day. For this four-week series, um, there's a memory verse. I call it. The teacher in me is coming out. John 15, 13. If you have your booklets, I'm going to have you repeat after me. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. John fifteen thirteen. All right, so we're going to do it again. I want half, the half on this side, we'll do the first part, and the half on this side, we'll do the second part. All right, here we go. 
greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. So I expect you to memorize that. We expect our children and our youth to memorize that. So you'll be hearing that scripture for the next four weeks as well. So the imagine this, if you have the booklets, this is the portion um, that allows your mind to imagine what could have been the feelings of a Bible story that happened, um, the motives of the characters, the details that weren't actually mentioned. So I'm going to read this to you. No, it couldn't be true. Mary shook her head in denial. It was fine just a few days ago. A strong, healthy young man, how could he be gone? But one look at the devastation on Martha's face told Mary it wasn't a bad dream. It was real. Her brother Lazarus was, was dead. Mary walked past Martha into the darkened bedchamber where Lazarus lay. She knew the village woman would be there soon to prepare his body for burial. But one last time, she had to see her brother. She walked to the bed, took his hand, unprepared for the cold stiffness that was already claiming his body. The pain was unreal. She could not wrap her mind around the fact that she would never again share a meal with him, laugh with him, work beside him. This was not a stranger. This was not a casual acquaintance. This was her brother, the one who had shared her childhood. It was Lazarus who was lying motionless and pale. They'd grown up together, shared their lives together. Her hand flew to her mouth as a sob escaped. Martha came into the room. They clung to one another. The grief could only be shared with family. The ties that bound them were more than just ties of blood. Years of shared experiences, the good, the bad, held them together now as their world quietly fell apart. I can relate to that, and I'm sure some of you can too. But life is so much easier when you have supportive, loving family that comforts you through every up and down in your life. A family makes you feel safe, connected, accepted, and loved despite all the shortcomings. Sometimes you don't fully understand what a relationship means until it's non-existent, until it's not there anymore. And as life turns full circle, some of us get the honor of repaying the gift by taking care of aging parents or grandparents, which is very rewarding. I've been able to do that. Um, when I think over the years of all my relationships in my life, I would say the ability to form them was learned. I learned how to have good, strong relationships. So with that being said, I'm going to tell you a few stories from my own family because that's what I know. You teach what you know. Um, I'll never forget standing beside my grandmother. Her name was Rosanna. And it was me and my sister. And we stood there as she was passing, and we promised her that we would never leave the truth. She was the one who found the truth she searched it out. She has, she has a big, long personal testimony that she wrote, and we all got a copy before she passed away. But I can honestly say, if it wasn't for my mother, who honored her mother so much, I might not be standing here today. It, be, it came from that honor. Um, my grandmother was special to me. I honored her. I served her. I was thankful for her. She was very simple, but steadfast. <laughs> I learned this from my own mother. So my parents and my grandparents taught me about relationship. So that's your responsibility. If you have children and grandchildren, this is your responsibility. My mother and father adored their parents, and so I learned from the best. And guess what? I've always adored my grandparents and my family members. Um, I'm going to talk about my other grandma. She's my dad's mom. When she was two years old, her father remarried. And um, he um, brought in his wife, and she they introduced them. And my grandmother said she raised her hands up to her, and she just wanted to hug her and accept her in the family. And she put her hands down, and she said, we don't hug, and we don't touch. And so her, I remember her as a child. Her demeanor was very ugly. She wasn't kind. She never said thank you. Um, 
But I'll tell you what, my grandmother was so good to her. She loved her. She honored her. My grandma had a sister. That sister left. She couldn't handle it. She couldn't take it. So she decided at a young age, as a teenager, she was going to get out of there. So my grandmother spent her whole life taking care of her. So I'm asking you, can you honor somebody who doesn't honor you back? Can you love somebody who doesn't love you? I remember as a little girl, which it's so funny because I walked in and she wasn't very pretty either, if I had to say that. But I was just kind of looking over at her as a little girl and she looked at me and said, what are you looking at? And you talk about scared. As a little girl, I was scared. But um, we cleaned her house. I cleaned her house as a little girl. We took her to all of our family dinners. My mother made me hug her all the time, every time I seen her. Um, And guess what? My grandmother, she did everything for her, never got a thing in return. No hugs. Um, She was kind to her, but that was about it. But it wasn't until my grandmother was 70 years old that her stepmom said, I love you. It took her 70 years of serving her before she told her that she loved her. So what kind of story is that? Can we do that? Are we going to get aggravated and upset and say, oh, they don't treat me good. They don't treat me kind. I can't do it, but you can do it. My grandmother, she was a biblical lady. She didn't find truth until she was 89 years old, but she lived according to the Bible. Every single step of her life came from the Bible. She found the Lord and she was saved. So I'm thankful for that. So families teach relationships. Children brought up in healthy homes can form better bonds outside their home. Um, We learn to trust in strong relationships. Conflicts in the family should teach respectful ways to solve them. So what are some good characteristics of strong families? Strong families have good communication. You can talk and you learn to listen. Listening is usually huge. Strong families share common beliefs. You're like-minded. You're connected. You share a feeling of togetherness. Strong families spend time together. They show care and affection for every single member in the house, not just the ones you think you like, not the ones you tolerate, but every single member. Strong families lead by example. This one is huge. Values are set by example. And strong families support one another. For me, a strong family was all I needed to become confident in myself. I, got, I, I accumulated confidence. Um, I became confident because I had a healthy, strong relationship at home. That's where I got it from. Not that I don't have to work on it, because I do, but it came from my home. So I know a lot of you are thinking, well, I didn't come from a home like that. I wasn't raised like that. I didn't have mom and dad or grandparents to teach me any of that. And I'm sorry. If I could help you and give you some of the love that I got, I would share it. I honestly would. But the Lord has a plan, and he knew where you would come from. He knew when you would join this church. He knew that you'd be here tonight. So it's okay. So let me tell you about some of the first relationships in the Bible, just so you know what they started out like. Adam and Eve, they sinned, and Adam responded by blaming his wife. They parented two male sons. One of those killed the other. Abraham was God's chosen man, but he married two wives, And he broke God's design for marriage. He eventually kicked one of his wives out with her child and made them leave. Jacob married several wives, like his grandfather. His 12 sons sold their youngest brother into slavery. Sounds like a family I want to be a part of. David espoused many wives, and his son violated his daughter. Absalom killed the son that violated David's daughter. So as I read this biblical narrative, um, what do you see? Broken relationships result from sin. (laughs) This is 
our world today. So much brokenness, so much hurt, so much anxiety. It's everywhere. Sin destroys families. And so talking about depression and anxiety, 37 million people in our world are on antidepressants. Help us, Lord. I don't want to be on antidepressants. I want order and good relationships. So if you didn't learn this, if you didn't come from a good home, if you didn't have love and safety and trust, where do you begin? So I'm going to tell you in the Bible, Paul speaks to the church in Colossians 3.1. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. So number one, you're in a new position. You've been raised to a newness, so you start seeking things above. You change your focus. You're kingdom-minded. That's what we become. Romans 12.2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Colossians 3.2 Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. So number two, you change the way you think. You get rid of negative thoughts. You think on things that are true, lovely, just, pure. This is something you work at. When we talked about growing in the mundane, these are things we tell ourselves every day. You pull out the word and let it go through you every day. Colossians 3, 5 through 10. This is in the NIV. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived, did you get that? You used to walk in these ways. You don't walk in those ways no more. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, I'm going to skip to verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, he chose you. You're here. Good past or bad past. Good parents or bad parents. You're here. He knew exactly where you came from. Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another in If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So number three, change your clothes. Take off sin. Consider the past dead, washed away. You're new. You you can have righteousness, love, and kindness, and compassion, and forgiveness because it's the new you. You work at it every day. I have a book. It's from Brother and Sister Tenney. It's called The Lessons We've Learned. I'm going to read you a little section from it that I thought was very good. It says, we all need altars in our lives. When the children of Israel were going in to occupy their promised land, they built two altars. They were made from heavy stones carried on the shoulders of the priest. Many many altars are built from the hard and heavy things of life. They built one altar in the riverbed where the river was parted. The other was built on the other side of the Jordan. The altar in the riverbed was buried beneath the flows of the waters, never to be seen again. Some things need to be buried at an altar, never to be remembered. The other altar was built on the edge of tomorrow. It sanctified the future, but it was a reminder of God's help in the past. Build an altar to forget, then build another altar on the edge of your tomorrow. This is the altar you can show your children and say, I remember when God, but let the past be the past except for praise. Amen? (laughs) Amen. We don't have to live in the past. (laughs) So let the word of Christ tell you the word is everything. Let it dwell in you richly. Every thought... Filter in the word every single day. It, we, it must be our desire to overflow in us. It has to overflow. We must do everything in his name. Um, and when you do this, you'll be able to forgive. You'll be able to forget. God will restore 
all that's been lost, all that's been broken, whether it's in your hearts, your finances, your relationships, if your lives need mending, God has a plan to heal. He has a plan to restore because guess what? His mercies are new every day. Amen? So the new you can and will, if you're teachable, if you want to be changed, you can create strong relationships that you've never had before. But you must be teachable. If you're not teachable, you're not growing. So you must say, Lord, make me better. Teach me your ways, Lord. I read that scripture all the time. Teach me your ways. I want to know. So a a relationship refers to the way in which two or more people are connected. Relationships begin at birth, and they're constant throughout your whole entire life. So number one, how do we build godly relationships inside the house? So the Bible provides clear commandments for general relationships within the home. Leviticus 19.18 says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Matthew 7.12 Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even to them. For this is the law and the prophets, the golden rule. Treat people how you want to be treated. Three foundational building blocks for the ideal spiritual and ethical relationships are love, respect, and trust. And Jesus never asked anyone to do anything that he already didn't do himself. Love, agape, it's an unconditional love, the highest form of love, a selfless love, faithfulness, commitment, an act of will, you have to want to. God is love, and everything he does flows from his love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And here's our scripture, John 15.13. You can say it with me. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. <laughs> Respect and honor. To respect, you take notice of. You have high regard. They get special attention. As a child of God, we show respect by obeying his commandments. Honor begins in the homes. It originates in our hearts and refers to the value we personally place on someone or something. So you can earn respect, but Honor is a gift freely given if you decide to give it. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2 says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So what that tells me is we don't speak ugly to elders. We treat them as fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters. So when I have relationships with people, my, my sister tells me this all the time, I would never treat you that way. We don't treat our family that way. You're kind to your family. You love your family. You show mercy. You show grace. <laughs> so where did respect for elders go? I wonder that myself. When I was young, we stood to greet elders when they walked in the room. My mom made me. That's what I had to do. It didn't matter. You know, you, that's just the way it was. So who are your elders? Anybody older than you, that's your elder. You can have different opinions. Even if you have your own opinions, you can still be kind. You can be respectful and have different opinions. You don't have to agree with what everybody says. But you have no right to be disrespectful. And respecting elders, I know, going back to some of us didn't have good parents. We didn't have good grandparents. I get it. If you've had physical, emotional, verbal abuse, I understand. I never had that, but I feel for you. Ask God to forgive you so you can move past it. It's okay to disagree, but remain respectful. That's it. David treated Saul with respect because, and only because, it was the right thing to do. So respect is the right thing to do. He could have killed him. He had an opportunity to kill him, but he didn't. He did what was right. 
First Peter 2.17, show respect for all, say it with me, all, all people. Love your brothers and sisters in God's family. Respect and fear God and honor the king. Malachi 1.6, a son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name, and ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? So children will learn honor if they see it at home. I believe you reap what you sow, and I've seen it my whole life. I've seen my mothers and my grandmothers and my family members serve their whole life, loved their whole life, and on their deathbeds, they were served until the day they died. If you want love and honor and respect until the day you die, you better be showing it to someone else. If you're a servant, you'll be served till the day you die. I want to be a servant, and I want my children to serve me when I get old. Amen? Yes. If mom and dad respect people, then your children will respect people. Um, only as good as you treat them will they treat them. Only as good as I treat them. That's how my children will react to people. If I talk bad about them, you better believe it. They're going to talk bad about them too. Um, My children, I teach them to love their grandparents. I show them how to love their grandparents. I don't ever grumble and complain about my either side of my grandparents. Um, I don't act upset. I treat them like kings and queens. Anything that's asked of me, I do for them. Because I know I have these little children watching me. I speak well of them. I serve them. I push my children to be close to their grandparents. Because there's value in it. The things my mother couldn't teach me, my grandparents taught me. It's important. You can't teach your children respect if mom and dad don't have respect for one another. This is huge. How do you treat each other is a big deal. Do you talk kind to one another? Because the biggest conviction for me is my, my children. When I hear them say something that I said a couple days ago against their father, phew, right in the heart, gets me. And I'm like, where did they get that from? They got it from me. And it could be something as simple as, he's always late for dinner. Why is he always late for dinner? The next thing I know, the kids are mad. Why is dad late for dinner all the time? They, they repeat me. They copy me. I can't be mad in front of them because they'll take on what I take on. So I don't do it. Ryan tells the kids and the boys and the girls, she's my wife. Don't mess with her. You don't touch her. My boys will know how to care for a lady one day because Ryan, out of respect and honor to me, he's taught them to maintenance our whole entire house. If he's not there, if he's gone, I'll be taken care of. They know how to do everything. I don't have to lift a finger. But I didn't do that myself. He taught them that. My girls... I did teach my girls, if I ever am away, my girls can run my house. They can feed him. They can take care of him. They can do the laundry. I taught them that out of honor and respect for my husband. So it can be done. So, Dad, your boys are watching you. I'm sorry. How you treat them, moms, dads, your children are watching you. Just know that. You're a big example to them, and they pay attention to everything. Even little things I wouldn't think they'd pay attention to, they notice everything. Parents, you should never allow, your children should never be allowed to treat you poorly. That was something that my mother was huge on. Disrespecting, talking back, um, that establishes a dysfunctional pattern of behavior. We don't do that. Uh, I don't care what age you are, disrespect is the primary root of disobedience. If you let it start, it will only get bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what roots do. Younger or older children should never be disrespectful. So why does it happen? And I'm guilty of this too. I'm talking to myself. Don't think I have some perfect life because I don't. I've worked really hard at it. But why does this happen? 
it happens because we're not paying attention? How many times have we just ignored it because we don't want to deal with it? Uh, You become used to it, and you just allow them to do that. You don't know how to correct it. But the Word of God, where do you go? Word of God, uh, elders, people who can help you. Here's a big one. We feel guilty like maybe we've done something wrong. Get over the guilt. Be a mom. Be a dad. Teach respect. There's no excuse. Our children, I tell my children, you can be frustrated, you can be mad, but you can do it with respect. That's how we do it. They'll not be perfect, but they can be respectful. And I'll tell you what, you're probably going to see them be disrespectful, and they're probably going to act out. But just know that they are being taught that, that they are children. When you set a standard of respect, your reward is relationship. You'll actually enjoy being around your children, and hopefully they'll enjoy being around you. When your children become adults and they move away, hopefully you all enjoy being together. I I want my children to want to come home and want to be with me. Trust and reliability. It's simple to see that relationship between reliability and trust. It's someone does what they say they'll do. Trust naturally builds. Reliability is doing what you say you'll do over and over and over again. You build trust in simple daily moments. Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lead not to thy known understanding. Matthew twelve twenty one, And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Hebrews 2, 13, And again I will put my trust in him. And again, do you see that? Again and again and again, every single day. You just don't get it in one day. It's over and over and over again. And, be, and again, behold, I am the children with, which God hath given me. So be the family is God's basic building block for society and civilization on earth. Members are related either by blood, marriage, spiritual brotherhood, or even bonds of friendship. The New Testament structure is established by the principle of godly order that gives rise to the building blocks of love, respect, and trust. So God's order for the family is stated in terms of authority or headship. To properly exercise headship, one must be under authority, and that means submission to one's head. So Ephesians 5.21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 1 Corinthians 11.3, But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So this is the heavenly pattern of order. That's what I just heard. Submission doesn't mean you're inferior. The word submit is the military word. It means to come up under, to arrange under rank. To have order in the military, authority must exist in the relationship Or guess what will happen? Chaos. This is the same way God made the husband and the wife relationship, with order so it would function properly. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are alone in Christ. We're equal, but we all still have roles of order. D, obedience arises from a love relationship. And this is given as the first and the greatest commandment. If you obey me, you obey my commandments. The evidence of love for him is my obedience to him. That means obeying when life's easy, obeying when life's hard, obeying when you don't understand, obeying when you do understand. When you obey the Lord, you live in joy without shame, rooted deeply in him. Luke 10, 27 And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So number two, the first relationship in the house is the marriage of one man and one woman. Amen. Marriage creates a new family and also creates the roles of husband and wife, each with specific duties and responsibilities in the family order. 
So a strong husband-wife relationship is founded on human and godly love, mutual respect, and unshakable trust. So this passage that we're going to read next compares the relationship between Christ and the church to husband and wife. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, this establishes mutual submission. 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Wives are subject to their husbands in everything, as the church is subject to Christ in everything. And this doesn't mean that we don't have our own minds, or we don't share in decisions in the home, or, or say, any input. The virtuous woman in Proverbs had her own authority, and she had lots of responsibility. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, having not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. The husband who loves his wife, as Christ loved the church, will give himself for her, set himself apart for her from the world, provide cleansing by the word, present her glorious, without blemish, holy, and pure. Verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies? He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourish and cherish it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. There's a couple more scriptures that go along with it if you want to study it. Colossians 3, 18 and 19. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband at his fit in the Lord. Husband, love your wives and be not bitter against them. 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of your wife of the wives. This refers to your manner of life, your conduct, your behavior, the way you conduct yourself. First Peter three seven. Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife and as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So the key ingredient in personal fulfillment of a woman is to be loved, cherished. Of a man, it's respect and appreciated. Husbands are to love, cherish, protect, and provide for, while wives are to submit, obey, reverence, and respect the husband. Ladies, when you honor your husband, you honor God. That means you treat him with a high degree of respect. The degree to which you reverence your husband is the degree to which you reverence your God. You serve your husbands and your children, you serve God. You dishonor your husband, you dishonor God. We are to be, ladies, our husbands help me, and my husband is my priority. If he is pleased with me, here's another confidence booster, I am happy. If I please him and my children... I feel successful. You want a good husband? Be a good helpmate, ladies. Men, you want a good wife? Be a godly husband, according to the word of God. The ideal simile is as Christ loved the church. The wife reverences and honors her husband by submitting, graciously accepting his love, obeying his instruction. In the house, a man leads in performing at three distinct roles with overlapping responsibilities. He is to be the priest to and for his God. He is to be the husband and head to his wife and the father to his children. 
So number three, the second main relationship within the house is parent-child. The second main relationship within the house is parent-child. Two vital areas for child growth and development are faith and morality. So Romans ten seventeen, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, shalt talk of them when thou settest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. I want to sing that. My kids were in Bible quizzing, so there's a song that goes with that. I just want to start singing, but I won't. Second Timothy 1.5 When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. This makes me think of the 414 window. Um, these ages, a major turning point in moral growth and development occurs during this time. These ages, children begin to internalize family values. People understand. So I figured out what's important to Ryan and I will be important to our kids. What are the norms in your family? Have your children ever said, in our family, we do this? That's, that's what you're wanting? By the age of three, children understand the role of adult and a child. They perceive consequences. Um, the connected child behaves well because he's had several years of positive direction. The unconnected child thinks he can do whatever he wants to do as long as he don't get caught. Children begin to question whether parents are infallible. Strong relationships help them feel love and secure, which is essential for their emotional and intellectual development. Parents must focus on helping them at a young age to know what do they want to do for the Lord. What do they want to be? Do they see your daily disciplines, and are they developing their own? That's where I'm at. Are they developing their own? I went into one of my son's rooms the other day, and I found a note on the floor. And, you know, as a mom, I'm sure some of you have been there before me, but your heart kind of sinks because it looked like a little love note or something. So I remember I was like, oh, no, open it up slowly, a little bit scared. And um, when I opened it up, it said, uh, I, I want to read my Bible when I first wake up. You talk about refreshing. I can handle that. It's okay. <laughs> So Ryan tells our children all the time, this is my house. You don't own a thing. They live here. Um, you don't have your own space. So I'm free to enter your room and look at anything in it anytime I want. <laughs> uh, children's response to parents' instruction equals obedience and honor. That's B. Children's response to parents' instruction equals obedience and honor. Ephesians 6, 1 and 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So really, if you honor your mother and father, you can live long on the earth. Colossians 3:20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Proverbs 23 and 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. So this is he the heavenly pattern of order set by God for the home. And relationships in the home are critical. So I'm going to challenge you tonight, and I hope I can do this. But pastors ask us all to find a Bible study. And... Um, I'm asking, he wanted us to find somebody, but what if it wasn't an Acts 2.38 Bible study that you went and found? What if you went to somebody in the church that you trusted 
and you realized that you needed help in an area that you were lacking in? What if it was a Bible study that pertained to your life? If your marriage is struggling, your finances are chaotic, your home's out of order, you're an emotional mess, you're just trying to keep your head above water, go find someone in the church that can give you a Bible study so you can get your home in order, so you can have peace in your home, joy in your home, healthy relationships in your home. People should want to be around you and come to your home, and your children should want to live with you and be in your home as well. Pastor wants us to teach Bible studies, but more than that, I know he wants strong families, strong relationships, order in your home. That's what we desire because the church is only as strong as the families in the church. So we have to be strong. We want others to be here. I don't want to bring others into a dysfunctional family that's out of order. We don't know how to treat one another, but it begins in the home. So I'm not saying you have to be perfect to teach a Bible study because I'm not perfect. Your homes don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything figured out to teach a Bible study. And if you're teaching a Bible study and your home is out of order, you think it is, it's okay. I'm not here to make you feel bad. But if you are struggling, take a moment and and just make a plan. What I figured out in my life, you'll be surprised at what communication and just making a plan will do for any situation in your life. God was a planner. He created order. He loved order. He knows the plan he has for you, and he wants you to find it. Sometimes I feel like I have to get past myself to find what the Lord wants me to do for myself. But just having a plan will be like a breath of fresh air to you. It is to me. If you Let's say you get on a budget. Let's say you spend quality time with your children. You declutter and clean your home. You invest in your marriage. You plan weekly date nights. You must start somewhere. As I've grown and matured, I've learned myself when I get frustrated. I've had to stop myself. But I, I wasn't like this when I was young. I've learned, oh my gosh, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling mad or what's wrong with me? It's time to, I stop. And honestly, I do. Sometimes I sit down and I say, what is wrong with me? I get a little aggravated at myself. And guess what? Usually it's nothing that's a big deal to make my whole day terrible. You just have to learn yourself to say, hey, what's wrong? Can I fix this problem? So I'm asking you, there's no shame, no pride here. I told you this year is, for me, it's enough is enough. I'm tired of running from problems. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to fear. I don't want any, I want my home in order. I don't want wrecked relationships in my life. You can't teach enough Bible studies to cover up your problems. Amen? Don't wait for some prophetic, audible voice of God to come to you and tell you, oh, work on your home. Please work on your relationship with your children. God gave us the order. We just have to obey the order. Don't try to put others before your family. It's not spiritual. You're not spiritual if you put everybody else before your own family. Protect your home. Protect your seed. God forbid. Pastor just said this. We lose our own children. We lose our grandchildren. I'm not doing that. You better believe I'm a protector. I protect my children. I protect my husband. I protect my home. I guard. I know what comes in my house and what goes out of my house. I do that intentionally. It's time to reevaluate your homes, your relationships. Make a plan. Ask yourself, why? What needs fixed in me so I can focus on you? I need to focus on God, not myself all the time. What needs improvement in my life? This is a year for breaking ground, cultivating, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your follow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord. Follow ground is unplowed ground. It is land that could be productive. Did you get that? It could be productive. I don't want to just be productive. But for whatever reason, it hasn't been broken. It hasn't been tilled, plowed, prepared for planting. Fallow ground is unusable and is unused. No crop will grow. I don't want any of that in me. This is the year for breaking ground. I want to get past every fear, and I want you to, too. Every past experience, every unhealed hurt, every unresolved issue, every unmet need that you feel that you have in your life. Let's 
let God break it up for you because he can heal all hurt in your life. I'm seeking you, Lord, and I want to grow, and I want to change. I want a new anointing. This is our prayer. God, help me. I want to get past myself. How are we going to have revival if we don't have it in our own homes? It's important. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Thoroughly furnished? Do you know what that means? You're completely equipped. Equip me, Lord, to go win the lost. I want to be equipped. If there's a harvest, which we know there is, we want a sanctuary. Ask the Lord to help you. Search me, Lord. Break me, Lord. Get your home in order. Get your relationships right. And then go win the loss. Let your light shine. You want your light to shine bright? Fix your own problems. Your light will shine super bright. You'll be a witness. This year we're breaking ground, not only for the sanctuary, but for ourselves. It's an exciting year. It don't have to be doom and gloom. I got problems? No, it's make a plan. Just have a plan. You'll be surprised if you make a plan. The Lord will bless it before you even start the plan. Make a plan to do better. So if you want to stand with me, I'm going to end in prayer. I thank you for listening to me. Hopefully you're not too upset at me. I wasn't too harsh on everybody. But I do believe your home is so important. So if you want to bow your heads, I will dismiss us in prayer. I thank you, Lord, for this night. I thank you for this moment, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. I pray healing, Lord. I pray restoration. I pray hearts be mended, Lord Jesus. I pray those that feel like they're lacking have an increase, Lord God. I pray your anointing be upon us, Lord, so we can win the loss, Lord. I pray for strong, godly, healthy relationships in our homes. I pray your anointing, and I thank you for your word, Lord. Let your seed, the word, grow up in us, Lord God. Let me be changed, Lord. I thank you for this night, Lord, and I plead your blood over every single person here tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen.